morning, Christ City Church. Thank you uh, for joining us this morning, wherever it is that you're tuning in, whether you're on the Zoom call or on our YouTube channel. We're uh, grateful and delighted and honored that you'd take some time out and join us in worshiping and remembering the truths of who God is. As has already been mentioned, it's been a, a trying week in our city. Uh, COVID uh, deaths uh, reaching daily record highs this week as we continue to stumble and struggle through a global pandemic. Over the past couple of weeks, some in our church have received the COVID vaccine, uh, yet others uh, in the same weeks have received positive COVID tests. Ongoing reminders to us that our prayers continue to be prayers of celebration and lamentation, often at the same time. And then a political insurrection, encouraged and stirred by our president, leaving our country shaken, our democracy fragile, and our city hurting. Unfortunately, experiences uh, experiencing the trauma of uh, Trump supporting white supremacists has become commonplace in our city. Last month they were here, they vandalized historic black churches. This month they stormed the Capitol in an attempt to undermine the work of the people by constitutionally elected representatives. However, what, what is particularly troubling uh, is the mob's inclusion of the name of Jesus in their efforts. Mingled in with banners of hate and violence bravado and with the waving of Confederate flags were banners proclaiming that Jesus saves. The thing is, this form of blasphemy is the latest in a long history of Jesus' name and message being hijacked by those seeking power and seeking domination. The history of Christianity is littered with um, episode after bloody episode and gutting episode of those who would parade the banner of Christ while storming castles and storming native lands and assaulting black bodies and Jewish families and believing themselves to be doing so in the name of the one who was born in a manger and the flag of empire to a teenage mother. The Christ who was himself a refugee, who was denied justice and murdered by the state. What was on display this week was the celebration of and the rage of Christian nationalism and white supremacy together. Christian nationalism, the, the form of it, uh, the form that it takes in the US, is the belief that America is a central actor in, the, in world history for the purposes of God. And to use the US as a new typology of Old Testament Israel and that American identity is tightly wound with a Christian identity, thereby viewing American history and world standing with a religious transcendence, forming a synchronized version of Christianity that sees America as taking a central place in God's redemptive history. White supremacy is the belief that white people and Western culture is superior to other races and other cultures. It's this belief that, that in the US, has given rise to our nation's heinous racial history. It was a belief that led the, to the enslavement of black people, the genocide of Native Americans, the internment of Japanese Americans, and the engagement of Latin American children looking for shelter and peace. Christian nationalism and white supremacy, it was deposited into the soil of this land generations ago. Uh, this Phenomenon, it didn't begin with this presidency, but it was certainly fertilized by it. And distressing still is the cultivation of it by those who claim Christ. Christian nationalism and white supremacy, I, I want to be clear here, they are tools of Satan. They are the anti-gospel. 
And those that believe in these idolatries are deceived by a form of idolatry that places patriotism over baptism, the flags of empires and confederacies over Christ's cross and God's kingdom. The thing is, uh, this, this isn't new. In the Bible, there are stories where those that follow God encounter those that have lost their way. And either by circumstance or intention, they find themselves governed by lesser gods. From the violent kingdoms of Nineveh to the polytheistic intellectuals of Athens, there are those that have placed their faith in something other than in the God of the Bible and the crucified Christ. There are also other instances where those that have followed God have drifted. Again, either by circumstances or by intention, those that have once followed Jesus have been led astray, led astray and, 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 and led to the place of abandoning their baptism into the peaceful and peaceable kingdom of Christ. Whether it be the foolish Galatians who had become bewitched by false teaching to which Paul wrote when he writes in Galatians 1, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Or the, the Gnostics, a religious movement in the first century who believed that they were the ones who had discovered hidden, clandestined, and conspiratorial knowledge. And they preached these conspiracies so widely that the Apostle John wrote three letters to the church, warning them against such belief, saying in 1 John, I'm writing these things to you about those who would lead you astray. In each instance, idolatry and false gospel is encountered. It is named as such. And those that believe it are invited to repent. And to return to the truth of God's love that is found in Jesus, Jesus alone and Jesus exclusively. And they are warned of the tragedy that is ahead for those that believe in idolatrous gospels. So what I want to do in this moment, right in the middle of our service, in the middle of this sermon, is to extend an invitation to come to Jesus. For those who might find themselves ensnared in the treachery of nationalism and white supremacy, I invite you to turn, to repent, to trust in Jesus and begin a new journey of discipleship into the ways of his kingdom. The invitation is to lay aside idols that have distracted you from God's love and deceived you into a distorted understanding of what it is to follow Jesus. I invite you to lay down these idols. They have blinded you to God's invitation to live a life of godly care, compassion, and justice for our neighbors who are created in the image of Almighty God. These lesser gods that do not have your interest in mind and have led you to actively and passively and complicitly oppress others. To continue will only lead you into an anger, fear-induced distortion of your own soul. False gospels of hidden knowledge that parade in the form of conspiracy theories and mythical histories, they will never satisfy your thirst for truth. 
because they lack the truth nutrients that are only fully and faithfully found in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, and in following the ways of this one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Friend, as with so many idolatries, you have taken a good thing, pride in one's homeland, a deep gratitude of the place in which God birthed you and raised you, an appreciation for one's cultural background. Those are good and fine things. However, you have taken a good thing and made it an ultimate thing. And whenever a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, a path of devotion to that idol is set. And with it, a path of infidelity to the God of all righteousness and justice and love. I pray that even as you hear my voice, if you are one who recognizes in yourself the inclination to elevate patriotism above all else, to elevate white history or Western culture as the standard and as more godly, I want to say to you that you are looking to politics or your country or your whiteness to serve a role in your life that only God can satisfy. Friend, lay that down and take up a new allegiance to a king who is strong, a new allegiance to a kingdom that is just, that is welcoming and that is glorious. Take up residence in a new community that is wide and deep and rich and diverse and take up the yoke of Christ that is easy and that is light, that is humble and gentle and that will offer rest for your fearful and angry soul. Jesus does save and may today be the day of your salvation. So I pray, God, I pray that there might be someone viewing this service right now who would hear the good news that Jesus is the son of the most high God, the one who faced empires, who faced violence, who faced sin, injustice on our behalf and is the only one worthy of worship, of praise, of exaltation, and of our devotion. Jesus is the only one who will not let us down. He is the one who gives us a new identity, who strips us of shame and gives us his honor, who invites us to shed our fear and live in the truth of his all-powerful and unshakable kingdom. You are the God that gently calls us to lay aside our power seeking and oppression making and to take up your cross, to die to our demands, our preferences, our attempts to self-make our lives and futures so that we might fully live as you intend. God, I pray that those who, who on Wednesday stood under the banners of the powers and principalities of this dark world yet we're so near banners that proclaim the truth that Jesus saves. God, I pray that they would lay down all the banners of the world and say yes to the life that is truly life. They would say yes to Jesus and to Jesus alone in whose name I pray. Amen. Amen. Christ City, thank you. Uh, thank you for giving me that moment for the chance to speak to those who might be watching, who might be outside of our church community, but might by some chance of providence have found their way onto our channel. I know that some of you have family members and friends where their political aspirations and identities have overtaken their lives. And those political polarizations are bearing damaging fruit in your relationship with them. I'm praying for you and with you. And I want to remind you and me that the gospel 
is the power of God that is at work in bringing salvation, freedom, and liberation to those we care about. Church, I know that for, for many others of us, seeing the events of this week is traumatizing and exasperating because of how unsurprising it is. And while Wednesday was incredibly dramatic, it was also a logical conclusion of the sowing of fear and hatred, the ongoing racial violence and injustices, the stoking of lies, the complicitness of so much of the white evangelical church. Seeing the events of Wednesday, I suspect for many, it's, it's, it's that it's just had an eroding effect on faith. And yet you're here. And I praise God for that. Psalm 147, uh, the psalm that we read earlier, begins with a word for us, for all of us in this moment. It's a psalm, a hymn. It was, it was sung in the midst of trouble and turbulence. The psalmist writes in that place, he, he writes, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem gathers the exiles of Israel. He, he heals the brokenhearted and, and binds up their wounds. He determines the, the number of the stars and, and he calls each of them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. In this psalm, the, the people of God, they, they find themselves in the place that they don't recognize. They've been cast from their home. The, the world has shifted under their feet. Violence and, and hostility is all around them. And yet in the midst of that place, our spiritual ancestors, they chose to respond by singing praises to God. They looked to the one who is not moved and is not shaken. They, they reminded themselves that God is aware of their pain and is in the process of healing their broken hearts. They, they looked at their circumstances, but they looked beyond them. They reminded each other that God is the ruler, not just of their capital city and not just of their country, but of the cosmos that God is the one who positions the stars in the night and, and, and places each one so that we millions of miles away that we can see the glimmer. And then God in his generosity, he rotates the planets so that we can see them all, not missing one simply because we live on one side of the planet and not the other. He determines the stars. He, he calls them by name. They reminded each other that God is mighty. And that God is wise. They, they reminded each other that uh, of the ways of God. They, uh, though they might seem foolish to the world and at times to us, the ways of God are right. And the ways of God lead to life. And they sang. They sang to the Lord. Facing pain and disappointments, and heartache, and oppression, and sin, and idolatry. They sang with grateful praise, the psalmist writes. Church, it's January 10th. 2021 is looking more like the sequel to 2020 than a new movie. And I want us as a church yet to remain steadfast with whatever is ahead. Last month, I spent some time rereading my prayer journals from 2019 and 2020. 
it's a practice I've done for the last several years between November and December. I go back and, and I reread and see how God was speaking to me and stirring to me. When I was reading in November, I came across some lines of poetry from a poetry book that Amy Sawyer had put me onto back in 2019. In the poem, I, I, I wrote about it and journaled it. I didn't write the whole poem in my journal, just four lines that struck me. The stanza, it said, there will be things that arrive this year for which we are unprepared. Yet Jesus is. Trust in him. When I read those, it was as if a weight was lifted. The burden of needing to be ready for any event or any pain or any sorrow, it was lifted. And I was reminded that God who cares for my city, that God is the one who holds the stars in place and rotates the planets so we might see the illumined night more fully. That God was worthy of my trust and my faith. That God would be the source of my healing when I'm hurt. And he is the one who holds my life. There are things that have arrived this year for which we were unprepared. Yet Jesus was prepared. And he is worthy of our worship. The thing is, one simply doesn't drift into trusting in Jesus. There's often a rhythm to trusting Jesus, a, a cadence and a discipline to regularly, daily returning to God, God's word and God's work in our lives and in our city. Over the coming weeks, we as a church will begin going through a series of values, a series of practices that will help us individually and collectively be practiced, not at preparing for all the things that might happen in 21, 2021, but to be practiced at trusting in Christ in the midst of all that will happen in the year ahead. To help us with this, we'll be using a book by a friend of ours, a book that Pastor Rich Velotis wrote called The Deeply Formed Life. Now, in much the same way as we went through learning to live last year, we'll be preaching sermons on spiritual truths and spiritual disciplines out, outlined in The Deeply Formed Life. And then that material will be processed together and practiced together in small groups. If you're able to secure a copy of the book, uh, it's going to be beneficial for you. But don't let that keep you from joining a small group and working through the material in the, in the context of a community. And again, just a, a reminder that small groups begin next week. You can find those listed on our website under small groups. The, maybe the place I want to end I guess let me end with a story of redemption. A story that took place this week uh, in the life of our in the life of our church. What happened was, following the events on Wednesday, a number of us gathered on a Zoom call to pray. In light of all the heartbreaking events of the day and the trauma of an insurgency spurred on by elected officials, it seemed most faithful to us as a church to gather and to pray to the one who is never toppled who will never be unseated from his throne. So we got together, sent out a Zoom link on our social media channels to our email list, inviting whomever would want to pray to join us. The invitation got picked up by some other churches and ministries outside of DC. And, and so consequently, the word spread wider than our community, uh, which when it comes to prayer, goodness, the more the merrier. So we get on the Zoom call, things come up, 
In the first moments of our prayer call, uh, it became apparent that not everyone on the call was there to pray with the saints. Someone or someones had joined the call under the cover of anonymity, and immediately they just began shouting curses to us. They hijacked the call and they showed vulgar images, forcing us to shut down the call, reestablish a new link with additional safeguards so that the saints could pray freely. When that happens, I was so disheartened. I, I felt violated. I was felt angry. We, we aren't really a church with a building. I mean, we have this office, but we don't have a building. And so our Zoom calls have become a sanctuary. They're a haven, a, a sacred space, a space that, that then on that night had been desecrated. And at the end of a day where so much had already been defiled, it, it just saddened me. And yet when we regathered on a new call a few minutes later, by the time we were done, nearly 100 individuals had joined the call. And we prayed for two hours with people from Christ City and from all over our city, from all over the country, from coast to coast, D.C., Virginia, New York City, Memphis, Mobile, Dallas, San Francisco, Fresno. I would later get word from others that weren't on the call but were praying with us nonetheless. Prayers for those that were in Brazil and Malawi, the UK, Australia, Ecuador. People prayed and, and, and prophesied and, and spoke in tongues and recited scripture and gave words of wisdom and exhortation and encouragement. And what began in such a profane manner by the spirit of God became a profound moment of spiritual renewal rooted and anchored in Christ. I, on that night, we, on that night, experienced the truth of Psalm 147, that God healed the brokenhearted, bound up our wounds, reminded us of his majesty, and our call to proclaim God's goodness and God's compassion, God's renewal, was renewed even in the midst of a nation on fire. Things arrived that day for which we were not ready. We couldn't even secure a Zoom call, but Jesus was ready ready to meet us, to strengthen us so that we might meet his world with his message of love. Saints, let us continually place our faith in Christ who saves and is saving. Let me pray for us. Jesus, yours is the name that is above every other name. It is yours that is the name alone, not just the first in a number of other names, but yours and yours alone. It is to the risen Christ that we preach and proclaim and trust and hitch our faith to. Jesus, it is to you that we return. It is to you that we look with whatever we may encounter in the days and weeks and months ahead. We meet them knowing that your spirit indwells us, surrounds us and goes before us. We might not be ready, but you are. And you are the one to whom we look. In Jesus name, amen.